Hello and welcome back to Let the Stone Speak. I'm Brent Naktagal, your host here in Jerusalem, Israel. Thanks very much for joining me. For today's program, we're going to listen to an interview I conducted with one of our staff writers, Mr. Christopher Eames, about an article he wrote in our latest edition of Let the Stone Speak. This is a magazine uh, that we put out six times per year. It's absolutely free. It's about biblical archaeology uh, and biblical history. And the theme, one of the main themes that we go through in this issue is looking at the 10th century BCE, this really debated period uh, in archaeological circles here in Israel relating to the the kingships of David and Solomon. And uh, we have an article in there, one really an important article, landmark article written by Professor Yosef Garfinkel of Hebrew University. This is an article he wrote about a decade ago for Biblical Archaeology Review. It's called The Birth and Death of Biblical Minimalism. Uh, So we've reprinted that in this issue. And then we also have two more features looking at the Solomonic period, specifically related to the gates that the Bible says, or at least the cities that the Bible says King Solomon built. And the the key article for this is uh, entitled A Study into King Solomon's Four Monumental Gates. It was written, as I said, by Chris Eames, and we're going to play an interview with uh, that I did with him just a few days ago. Uh, there's also another article that I wrote in this issue, and it's called The Forgotten Gate. And it looks at the archaeological proof for the gate that was discovered on the Ophel here in Jerusalem underneath the leadership of Dr. the late Dr. Elot Mazar. And we go through a couple of recent papers about the dating of this structure and talk about why it most most likely or does really belong to the 10th century as well, based on the evidence brought out in these excavations. So um, if you haven't, and yet if you don't have a subscription yet to our magazine, Let the Stone Speak, please do go ahead and, and subscribe to it. We've got a growing audience just here in Israel, actually. Almost 400 people here now in Israel get the hard copy of it. Of course, you can get the PDF straight away if you want to go to armstronginstitute.org and scroll down until you see where the magazine is. Uh, you can read the latest edition already online, and that'll give you a good sense, I believe, for what you can expect going forward from this magazine. Uh, so if you haven't yet, Again, it's free. We'll never charge you for it, and we'll send it to you wherever you are in the world. So this is a great feature for you to a great uh, magazine subscription for you uh, to receive here on out. So, without further ado, uh, do here is the interview that I did a couple of days ago with Christopher Eames about King Solomon's four uh, monumental gates. Well, thanks for coming on. Let the stone speak, Chris. Not a problem. Glad to be here. So you've written an article in the latest edition of our magazine. It's entitled A Study into King Solomon's Three Slash Four Monumental Gates. And this is a, an article I think that people are going to be refreshed by. It's, it's one that people are going to recognize some of the elements of already based on one of these most important discoveries from King Solomon's time. Perhaps you can set up the article to talk about this concept of construction by King Solomon at three specific cities, and then we'll get on to uh, more proof from the city of Jerusalem. Okay, sure. Yes, it's a subject that we've been uh, wanting to cover, or I've been wanting to cover for a long time. It's quite commonly discussed, obviously, in the biblical archaeology world, are the Solomonic gates, the, the three gates from Gezer, Megiddo, and Chatzor. 
And so it's a subject we briefly touched on, I think, in several articles on our website, but this opportunity came along to do a more dedicated article on it. So um, I, 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 I took that concept and then added a bit of a different flair with a fourth city in there, which is no less important. If anything, it's more important and really helps to round out the whole discussion. So where this, uh, where this discussion originates is particularly with the work of Professor Yigal Yadin. So he was excavating through the 50s and 60s, and he excavated at the sites of Gezer, Megiddo, and Khazor. Mm -hmm. And what he found there were three remarkably identical cities, and more specifically the gatehouses, but not just the gatehouses, cities from the period of the 10th century BCE. And that's the, the period of Solomon, or Solomonic, you could call it. Uh, right within that century is when, uh, according to biblical chronology, we have Solomon on the scene. So Yadin saw these, these different cities that he was excavating, he, he, he compared them, he compared the measurements, and they just seemed to match up beautifully. Like even some of the gatehouse measurements to the nearest centimeter matching up. So these gatehouses he found are what is known as six-chambered gatehouses. They've come to be known as Israelite gatehouses mm -hmm. or Solomonic gates because of the association that Yadin would make about them. And several of these measurements of these gatehouses fit one another beautifully. Like there's some differences based on the geography of the area, obviously, but overall it seemed like a very specific blueprint was being followed within the 10th century BCE. Now there's a really interesting Bible verse that discusses the reign of Solomon. Um, you have the, the first book of Kings, which goes through uh, particularly the building of the temple and the building of Solomon's palace, the establishment of his reign. And then in chapter nine, you start getting into more details about other endeavors that Solomon carried out. And in verse 15, of uh, 1 Kings 9, it says that Solomon raised a levy to build the cities Megiddo, Gezer, and Chazor. These three cities, and what do you find from that same century in all those three locations? You find these three parallel gatehouses, six-chambered gatehouses. They're sort of like a, a main thoroughfare with three um, chambers on either side, mm -hmm. so one, two, three, four, five, six. And According to Professor Yadin, the material that he found clearly dated those gatehouses to the 10th century BC. So he puts together the archaeological evidence from the field, uh, a gatehouse or a construction. He dates it by the pottery to uh, sometime in the 10th century. And then he goes to the biblical source and he sees that King Solomon had a uh, construction projects in each of these cities. So while this isn't as you bring out your, the start of your piece here, we don't have evidence for King Solomon, meaning his name, uh, or an inscription mentioning King Solomon, as we do for King David. Uh, we have a couple of those, but we do have a biblical verse that points out where Solomon was building, and then archaeologically, you have constructions in those places um, that match Solomon's time, and they match each other. They're very similar. So that's Yigal Yadin. Uh, he's, he's, he's a famous archaeologist, a famous Israeli in general. Um, but what has happened since? <laughs> and, and, has, and, and where are we now? 
Yeah, that's the big question when it comes to these gates. So normally when the subject is covered, it's covered in the context of three gates and these three gates alone. And it's in the context of justifying whether or not Yadin was correct in mm -hmm. dating them to the 10th century versus a new minimalist dating method that came along redating them to the 9th century. So just following uh, Yadin, you have uh, individuals like um, William Deaver, Professor William Deaver coming along and excavating also early on at Gezer. He also arrived at the same dates of the 10th century. But then also a little bit later you have uh, Professor Israel Finkelstein coming on the scene. And he was one of the major excavators of Megiddo. Um, and, and he came up with this new theory, minimalist theory of low chronology, or he was one of the big proponents and main driving forces of low chronology, which essentially took everything that had formally been put in the 10th century mm -hmm. and redated it or compressed it into the 9th century and effectively relegated David and Solomon as tribal chieftains. I mean, that, that quote, classic quote from him in The Bible Unearthed, uh, the book that he co-wrote with Neil Asher Silberman, I think in the early 2000s. Uh, classic quotes throughout there that are often cited that David and Solomon were nothing but ragtag tribal chieftains. Effectively extending the judges period, that mm -hmm. more tribal anarchic period, through the 10th century and then cramming or redating all the pottery that had formerly been identified as Iron 2A, 10th century BCE, cramming that into the 9th century forward. And so there were a couple of archaeological reasons that Finkelstein sought out to do this, one of which was uh, ceramic dating at Jezreel, nearby Jezreel to Megiddo, that seemed uh, the corpus of 9th century dated pottery at Jezreel seemed to parallel uh, Megiddo. And there's, there's Megiddo from what was the 10th century. Right, Megiddo from what was the 10th century. So there are some uh, kind of nitpicky details that... that um, that we could get into regarding that and that Finkelstein get, gets into regarding that. But as he somewhat famously put, I think, in his 1996 paper on the subject, he said, put aside 1 Kings 9 verse 15 mm -hmm. and this other piece of evidence, uh, which we can talk about later maybe, and all you have left with is this and this and this type of pottery remains, right. which can be redated to the 9th century. So a lot of promise for confirming Finkelstein's theory was what was, it, it seemed like it was coming in the form of radiocarbon dating, kind of a newly emerging field, uh, especially the, the precision with which things could be radiocarbon dated. So for some of the early dates, they, it seemed like they may have favoured that low chronology. Mm -hmm. I mean, still there was a ton of debate on the subject right. because when you're going that far back in history, sometimes the range of error can be as much as can be as giving a result that can be argued as proof right. for the high chronology side and the low chronology side. Right. But s over the past several decades since new carbon dating um, has been refined and has actually pointed to no a, a, an original date of the 10th century. So basically the car the carbon dates are used is you have a layer in which this 10th century iron 2A pottery is found and then you have a short-term carbon sample that's found in that same layer and you get a date back from the carbon sample that's independent of the pottery 
And Finkelstein said early on that his carbon dates seemed to push um, the, the 10th century pottery out of the 10th century. And you're saying that carbon dates since that time, um, a, a large body of them, um, seem to keep it back in the 10th century where it belongs. How about the dating? Let's put Megiddo to the side for right now, and perhaps we can talk about some of the dating of, of Gezer, if there's been greater evidence for that, for that city gate that's come out. Sure. Well, there the has been, and particularly since 2021, last year, uh, Professor William Deaver, he, he's really been at odds with Finkelstein, as anyone who's familiar with this right. debate uh, will know. Last year, he came out with a slew of new uh, information, carbon dates, and new analysis of red slip wear. Mm -hmm. um, That's which, on the pottery vessel, something that could be more diagnostic of the 10th century. Right. So, so essentially, for this debate, you've got the pottery dating for the 10th century or 9th century, and you've got the radiocarbon dating that can either give the 10th or 9th. So at the time of Yadin, it was largely basing it on pottery dating. Mm -hmm. And then you have Finkelstein coming along saying, no, it's too vague, it can be compressed into the 9th century, and starting to rely on some radiocarbon dates that were kind of maybe edging towards uh, low chronology in 9th century. And now you have a situation where you've got evidence from both new analysis of, of the corpus of pottery, mm -hmm. uh, red slipware in particular, which dates as, uh, as Professor Diva brings out, dates exclusively 11th and 10th century, not into the 9th century. So this is pre-9th century. Right. You have that potter, new pottery analysis confirming that on the one hand, and you have these new radiocarbon dates as well, which, um, which Professor Diva brings out as well. And this is all in his, uh, 20, I think, December 2021 Jerusalem Journal of Archaeology uh, article. Uh, and he brings out these radiocarbon date, dates, new dates, seven of which were taken, and only one of which might uh, concur with Finkelstein's um, arguments about a ninth century dating, one of which might. And one of, one of the seven had to be discarded because it was unusable, and the other five all clearly date mm. to a 10th century. Right. So you, you go with the, the, the body of evidence. So definitely, I think, if people are familiar with this argument uh, or this discussion, they got excited perhaps that we had proof for Solomon's empire, at least Solomon's uh, lead architect designing these different gates, and then there was pushback, and they decided, well, where, how can we really use this as proof anymore? the archaeological scientific evidence for these gates is pushing it back into the 10th century. And your paper does bring this out. What about the other gate that everyone uh, fails to mention? Sure. And I'll just mention briefly as well uh, about that last comment. Usually these three gates are discussed in that context of back and forth. Right. Well, this was found, but then this was the counter argument. But it seems like now we're at a point where that that, that whole side of it can now just be put to bed right. or put to rest at this point, which is uh, refreshing in a way uh, for continuing to in what archaeology is, the search of truth. Uh, and so what we, what we have now it is a rather remarkable discovery from Jerusalem that actually ties it all in together because 1 Kings 9 verse 15 doesn't just mention three cities. It mentions four cities, 
it mentions Chazor, Gezer, and Megiddo, and Jerusalem. Right. So these four particular cities were the main linchpin cities, if you like, that Solomon uh, undertook large-scale constructions of. And what do you find on the ground? Well, this is the, this is the area of expertise for Dr. Elat Mazar. She spent a lot of her life digging in Jerusalem. And so on the Ophel of Jerusalem, the upper area between the Temple Mount and the City of David in the south, on the Ophel, beginning in 1986, she undertook several excavations with her grandfather, Professor Benjamin Mazar. And in this certain place, they started to uh, uncover a series of chambers with this limestone floor thoroughfare. And I thought, well, this is odd, a series of parallel chambers with this, this thoroughfare in between them. And this chamber arrangement was just inside of what's known as the large tower, mm -hmm. which many of our viewers would be familiar with. And so Dr. Mazar writes in her Discovering the Solomonic Wall of Jerusalem book, uh, she writes that when, the, when their chief architect, Lean Rittmeyer, put together the design of the chambered rooms up against the layout of the gatehouse and showed how it all interlocked, that suddenly Professor Benjamin Mazar and Dr. Elat Mazar, they, they realized that they were dealing with a classic uh, first temple period gatehouse. And so later excavations that, that, that were undertaken were able to date that gatehouse to the 10th century as well. So given the nature of the Ophel, the gatehouse is a lot more fragmentary. Right. The, uh, one of the chambers is preserved to, to a much higher height than the others. Thus far, four chambers can be discerned. And there's some debate, there's a possibility that maybe there's a fifth and sixth chamber, but again, uh, you start to lose some of the, the, the material against the rising bedrock. So there's some debate about that. But nevertheless, she found a chambered gatehouse in Jerusalem dating to the 10th century BCE. And she had another architect, David Milson, who had done a lot of measure, measuring of other sites, uh, particularly those of Yigal Yadin. And he compared uh, for Dr. Mazar, the site of Megiddo in particular, with the chambered gatehouse in Jerusalem. And the, the, again, many of the measurements matched up perfectly. Yeah. Some were different, obviously, based upon the changing geography, geography but like the, the, the width of the thoroughfare, the width of the walls, the inner width of the gatehouse, all just matched up to the nearest centimeters. So Dr. Mazar writes about this quite, um, quite excitedly in her book, uh, Discovering the Solomonic Wall in Jerusalem, that this must have represented a blueprint construction for these different sites that was being used at that time period. And again, you put it together with 1 Kings 9 verse 15, and the match is amazing. You've got these three outside cities plus Jerusalem. Now where Jerusalem gets so important in this debate is there's quite a minimalist push to elevate the northern kingdom of Israel versus Judah. Right. And indeed, that was a lot of the, the, the debate that, that Finkelstein used to say that Judah at that time, especially in the 10th century, had no power whatsoever, didn't have the wherewithal to build massive construction. But what do you see? You see a chambered gatehouse, just like the others, in some cases bigger, uh, to, according to some of the measurements, in Jerusalem, right. and Jerusalem is in Judah, of course. Right. 
like if you're going to be devil's advocate, you could make a case, well, the other three gate houses are all in the northern kingdom, technically. They are separated by like 150 kilometer, kilometers of distance, which again points to a large span of control over a large territory. But then these gates aren't just in the northern kingdom, they're also in Judah, which points to an administration over all of it. And what do you see in the historical records for this kind of thing? You have the biblical account of a Judahite led Israel united from Jerusalem and building such structures in Jerusalem, Gezer, Megiddo, and Chazor. So the evidence on the ground really amazingly matches up with the biblical text. And I do want people to, to go and get our magazine for this because our infographic is really amazing, kind of putting all of these four gates together uh, and showing how remarkably similar they are. Well, I'm not going to give away too much more. I think that's about enough uh, to whet the appetite of, of our readers. Thank you very much for teaching us about these gates. People can go ahead and read Chris's article, A Study into King Solomon's 3 slash 4, meaning 3 is deleted. There's actually four monumental gates. Strike through. Strike through. That's up on our website, armstronginstitute.org. Thank you very much, Chris. Not a problem. Thank you very much for listening all the way through to the end of that interview with Chris Eames. Again, if you'd like to receive a copy of the magazine that was uh, an article that was mentioned in the magazine uh, in that interview, Let the Stone Speak, please do go ahead and go to our website, armstronginstitute.org. Scroll down until you find a place where you can subscribe to the magazine. You can also simply write an email uh, for a magazine subscription as well. Write the emails to letters at armstronginstitute.org. Put your name, address, and we'll make sure that you'll receive a free subscription for a year. And then once that year is up, we'll send you a notification of your need to renew. And at that point, it'll be absolutely free again. And then you can renew for another year. Thanks very much for listening. And I'll talk to you next week.